Hey guys, how are you? It's Jeff Gelman of Solid Canine Training with another episode of What Would Jeff Do Goes Deep. The reason why I wanted to start doing What Would Jeff Do Goes Deep because of our very successful What Would Jeff Do podcast where I can only usually talk about different concepts for 30 seconds. So What Would Jeff Do Goes Deep goes a little bit deeper, goes deep, into concepts, tools, philosophies, um, my thought process. And I really, really want all of you to be successful with your dog. And I use the word punisher a lot, but you can call it a correction, call it whatever you want, but it's the opposite of a reward. So we reward based trained dogs on obedience. So the way we train obedience is here is we use food and clicker or food and marker. That's how we train all of our obedience because that allows us to teach and get more of um, a dog's new behavior or learned behavior. In order to stop an unwanted behavior though, you need to learn how to apply, we call it a punisher. Unfortunately, it's been hijacked um, to mean abuse, but it's the farthest thing from abuse. It's methodical, there's no yelling, there's no screaming. When I mean methodical, it's like, for us, it's like just step one, step two, step three, and then predicted results. Now, a lot of times people are like, well, what tool should I use? And my thing is, well, we let the dog determine the tool. Like, what's the motivation for the dog to stop the unwanted behavior? And if the dog doesn't stop the unwanted behavior, is it really a punisher or a correction? The answer is no. The dog determines what is nice, what is not nice, what is effective, what is not effective. And I think it's really, really important for us to be open-minded as far as all of the different tools, techniques, and philosophies there are. I'm really, really aware of the conversation out there on remote collars and bonking and prong collars and corrections and actually the terminology that I use. I'm very aware of that. But someone who rehabilitates dogs, someone who's in the trenches every day, someone who has rehabilitated over 10,000 dogs, someone who is stopping some serious unwanted behaviors that if they didn't get stopped, they would end up being killed, someone who expands dog owner's world, someone who travels the country um, right now in, in the world historically, I'm finding that um, we have a very, very methodical way of stopping bad behaviors. Let me give you a good example. There are a ton of people out there that are anti-e-collar, shock collar. A lot of people are no pain you know to train you know all that other all those other catch slogans i'm aware of that but let's talk about a bunch of cases that we um we've had do you consider the squirt bottle which is used in many doggy daycares in many homes in many training facilities as abusive i think most people don't i think most people are like we use a squirt bottle here's the funny part we have had many dogs in who the first step one to stop the unwanted behavior, they really didn't care about the remote collar. They blew right through it. They didn't care about leash corrections. They blew right through it. They didn't care about the bonker historically um, is the number one um, bad behavior stopper. But let's just talk about the squirt bottle. We have had a handful of dogs in 2020 who that was the biggest punisher that they responded to, meaning they didn't respond to anything else but a squirt bottle. A squirt bottle, they stopped the dangerous behavior. 
So to the dog, the squirt bottle was the worst possible consequence for the dog. But to us humans, we look at the squirt bottle as, oh, that's acceptable. Society accepts squirt bottles. Like we have literally used squirt bottles in public, like for a dog that's being either reactive or forging ahead or, or um, leash aggression where other tools weren't working. And literally people walk by and they'll make comments saying, oh, the dog's in training. But meanwhile, the sight, the sight of a remote collar on a dog, just the sight of it brings out literally the worst in people. And I find it really, really interesting that if we actually paid attention to how the dog perceived the tool, we would better understand dogs. So if I give my dog a very um, monotone no, and then correct on a remote collar, my dog will go, oh, okay, that was wrong. If I raise my voice to my dogs, which many people do, let's all be honest, please, raise your voice, lose your temper, my dogs will look at me with fear. So it's ironic how the remote collar gets a bad name, but it's a neutral tool. But yelling at your dog, which if people were honest, most people do at some point of the day or of the week, the dog looks at you in fear. But no one's saying yelling is abusive. To the dog, it's really bad. Not all dogs. So I think what I want people to understand is when you're training a dog, you're listening to the dog. The dog determines the reward. Some dogs don't take food. Then therefore the food training is out the door. You have to be creative with, with your leash handling skills. And you have to understand pressure and release really, really, really well. Even your HVTs, your high value treats, they don't care about. We see that a lot in a lot of our fearful and anxious dogs. So I think it's important to understand that when you're rehabilitating dogs, which is the business we are in, you've got to be open to and knowledgeable about all your rewards and all your punishers because you never know what you're going to need. And since we work with dogs that have got some serious behavioral issues, biting of humans, biting of dogs, high intensity leash reactivity, we have to be extremely creative and we have to be able to stop those unwanted behaviors immediately. Like step one, stop the behavior. Step two now, do the actual rehabilitation process. So we don't look for quick fixes. We look for a quick stop though to a dangerous behavior and then the rehabilitation process takes a long time. But at least now the dog is not doing the unwanted behavior and you've got time now to have conversations with your dog about what you want them to do. But a lot of folks are, are, are not saying a no that's valuable to the dog they might be saying no, but it's not valuable to the dog. A lot of the folks I talk to are saying, oh yeah, I say no and I put my dog in the crate. We don't do that. We don't do timeouts. I don't believe timeout works. So the dog also doesn't find that valuable because it keeps doing the same unwanted behavior over and over and over again. Therefore, technically, it was not a punisher. It was not a correction. 
you know, we also have to think about, just think about this. Dogs are afraid of plastic bags floating around. Now, some of you are, are afraid of spiders. Some of you are afraid of snakes. Some of you are afraid of dogs. Some of you are afraid of like, you know, an alligator coming at you. But not too many humans are afraid of plastic bags floating around. Um, we have dogs that when they see a plastic bag floating by, hit the ground out of fear. We have dogs that walk down the streets and the restaurant store put an A-frame, you know those plastic A-frames outside their store, and the dog gets skittish and fearful and starts barking at it. It's an A-frame. I don't know too many humans that are afraid of A-frames. Now maybe the A-team, but not A-frames. I don't know too many, too many humans that are afraid of plastic bags. Maybe putting over their head to suffocate them, but not just floating around. So I think one of the biggest mistakes to make is, is to replace or to impose human emotion on a dog instead of being more methodical, especially when it comes to rehabilitation. Jeff Gelman, Solid Canine Training, What Would Jeff Do goes deep, where I go into deeper concepts. I'm madly in love with you. I'm so happy to have the opportunity to talk. Thanks.